What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, your host, doing the most for everything good and bad inside the world of Apple. Welcome, everybody. This is episode, can you guess? It's episode 179. We keep on rolling here. Thank you for coming to hang out and spend some time with us. For those of you that are new, welcome to the show. This is the place where we talk about all kind of the latest headlines, the big stories in and out of the world of Apple. And, you know, right now we're kind of in the hardcore rumor territory because we're waiting for the next surge of products, which is looking like September. So we're going to kind of be in this holding pattern until now. But we know that Apple just released the MagSafe battery pack, and I do have my hands on it. I'm taking a few extra days to really dig in and review it because uh, you need to test it and on different things in different ways compared to other things. And I always find it kind of laughable, especially for this product, when someone's reviewing it the day they get it. Like, what are you doing? That You can't review it. I know that SEO and getting out quick is important, but come on, this is a review. So stay tuned. It'll be coming out on my channel in probably a couple days because I've still got a couple more tests to run, but keep a lookout for that. Now, before we get into the meat of the show, we got to cover a little bit of business here. First of all, be a part of the show. Call in. All you got to do is record a voice memo on your phone, on your laptop, whatever platform you're on. Send it into applebitsshow at gmail.com. We will put it in the show. We don't have any for this week, so I'm expecting you all to step up to the plate and do it. Just mail it in applebitsshow at gmail.com. Also, this show is brought to you by you. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how I'm honestly able to do this podcast and how I've really been able to do all of my content. It supports starting at $2 a month, everything from early access to content, bonus rewards at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of the show. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. It starts at $2 per month, goes up to $5, $10, $25. The $100 Platinum Apple level You are all allowing me to continue to do this, and I'm so grateful. So patreon.com slash Tong is how you support this. Okay, everybody, let's jump right into the stories, and we actually have some new ones cooking. I actually decided to wait a day later than normal because I had put out a video on Friday. Things were still about the same, and I'm like, "Let's, let's just give it another day before we put out the podcast just to get some more new information rolling into this upcoming week. So if you're expecting it, I know... I'm kind of sorry, but I'd rather give you new information to talk about. So let's start off with really the big story that hit right on Friday. This is an exclusive story from 9to5Mac, and they report that Apple is testing a new external display with a dedicated A13 chip inside and the neural engine. Now, we know that the Apple Pro Display XDR, which is really amazing, it also, you know, there's... I don't want to say controversy, but it was teased because of its $1,000 stand. And I remember when I talked to some of my old friends at the Apple store and I said, is that stand really worth it that much? And they told me back in the day, the lampshade kind of Pixar looking iMac with the swivel stand, if it ever had to get repaired, it was $799 if it was not covered by warranty. And so I'm like, okay, when you put it that way, you know, how smooth it is, the floating hinge action. I mean, that that's just a marketing term, but it is really smooth. And it also swivels and rotates. I can see it actually being worth $999 if that iMac stand was $799 back in the day. Now, 9to5Mac has learned that sources familiar with the product say that Apple has been internally testing this new external display with the dedicated A13 chip inside. The display is being developed under the codename 
J327. There are no real hardcore details about the specific specs. So is the assumption that it's going to be a mini LED display? Probably. Uh, I don't see Apple jumping into OLED displays for the pro products anytime soon. And if they did, this thing would be even more than the current display is. Uh, just a reminder, it starts at $4,000 if you want to get the uh, anti-glare nano texture on the surface of the glass that costs an extra thousand dollars so really you're talking about a six thousand dollar display now it will have an apple made system on a chip inside right now at least testing it's the a13 bionic chip same one used in the iphone 13 lineup and they're also going to be able to use the neural engine and this is right kind of how the hardware uses machine learning to learn new tasks based on what you're doing. We don't know specifically how that machine learning will come into play. Maybe it has to come into optimization of energy consumption, depending on the time of when you use the display, um, what is being shown on it. There, there's some a lot of different things that they can do, but when I hear about this, first of all, this we had heard earlier in the year that Apple is working on kind of a less expensive display, a non-pro display, XDR type solution. And, you know, I said, I love that idea because there's so many consumers specifically in the Apple world that want their hardware to match. And for the longest time, you you know, there was the LG ultra fine displays and they're really great displays, but they're, you know, they're plastic and black. And the reality is that people love the feeling of being in the Apple ecosystem and having their products all match that aesthetic. And I am one of those people. So I was all on board for this less expensive display uh, that we'd potentially see sometime, maybe next year or whatnot. Now, this new display that we're talking about here with a potential A13 chip inside it, to me, this is really exciting. And as a pro, as a pro user, and I'd ideally like to see this in all their displays moving forward, but there's things that they can do. Now, someone jokingly wrote me on Twitter and said, hey, uh, isn't this a display with an A13 chip just like a computer? And it's like, to a certain degree, but if it's not doing hardcore computing tasks, that's not what's important. What I think they can do, and they they haven't even talked about this in the article, they're just saying, hey, they're using an A13 chip. It opens up a lot of different ideas of how you can play with this hardware. So one thing that can happen, for example, is the Mac or your Mac or your iPad or your iPhone. Yes, we know that AirPlay uh, works just fine, but potentially if they're using the chip-to-chip technology to talk to each other, maybe it optimizes it so you can actually see true, you know, really clean, high frame rate video from these other devices that talk to this display. The other thing that I'm thinking of right away is that, um, you know, you can AirPlay and AirPlay does work, but I'll tell you, it's not exactly like looking at something as if the native content was there. You always, you know, this is, first world problems, but you, there is sometimes a little bit of lag from what you see on the display versus what you're doing on your native device, specifically if you're using something like an Apple TV. Well, I would expect that not only would there be no delay there, but you know you won't need to run. Some people are running cables to their display and the idea of a true high fidelity wireless image is great. The other thing that I think can come into, come into play when you're talking about putting an Apple processor into everything, it can talk to everything. So why not I'm I'm not the biggest fan of this, but why not have you use HomePods or HomePod Minis as the speakers for your desktop Mac setup? I think that's kind of 
uh, interesting to do, but there's a lot of different connectivity things that they can do. If there's an A13 processor in there, the other thing that I think about is, okay, if you saw earlier this year, Samsung really pushed hard of their smart displays and think of it as exactly what it sounds like. These are displays that can be used as a traditional standard monitor, but if you want to disconnect it, you can put their like a different user experience on it. So why not have this display not only be a computer, but just have the pure Apple TV user experience standalone if you want to, not mirroring or not connecting uh, any type of hardware device into it. Just have it natively run its own with a, with a remote so that a lot of times as we're starting to see the design and the way that Apple is thinking is the iMac is really trying to be a, a computer that lives in any room, in any living space. Well, why not give it functionality or give a display that type of functionality? So it could really truly, you just plop a display anywhere. And then if you want to walk up to it and sync it with your computer, you can. Or if it becomes like a TV, smart TV, that's cool as well. You know, it could be a, a gaming device as well that you could just instantly airplay your games to it and have a larger gaming display. I think, I don't know how much that something like that's going to cost, but I, if I was a college student and I had that, that would be freaking awesome but it's probably not going to be affordable for college students. But either way, the idea of Apple putting an A13 in a display to aid it with tasks, use the neural engine for machine learning to optimize different aspects of it as well, I think that's kind of exciting, at least for a pro user it is. My mom, she will not care. But for maybe people that are doing a little more than just web surfing and email, I think I think it could be really interesting And as long as they don't make it too costly. There is no report on what size displays this new display that's in the works, but you got to imagine this one specifically would likely be the next generation or the successor to the Pro Display XDR. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But I thought that was pretty cool. Now, a story that just dropped today as of this recording, and believe it or not, I'm recording this on a Saturday because, you know, we got things to do. A new report based on a tweet from Twitter tipster Dylan DKT, who I've mentioned a few times recently and who has historically been pretty darn accurate. On his Twitter, he basically comes out and says, hey, uh, that high-end iMac Pro that you were all hoping for for this year, it's not coming. It's not coming at the end of this year. Get ready to see it in 2022. And for those of you regular listeners, we had a call, I believe it was from, oh man, I'm literally trying to pull this off the top of my head. I believe it was from Jay who asked specifically about when a new iMac Pro large screen would be coming. And I kind of pontificated and I said, you know what, I don't, I really don't see it coming out this year. I see it coming out in 2022. Well, Dylan, D- Dylan DKT didn't hear that from me, but this is based on his sources. And he's been very reliable in the past with previously saying, oh, the, the iMac it's going to come with an M1. It's not going to get an M1X or an M2 that everyone's talking about. He called out, I believe, um, aspects of the earlier iPad as well that were right on the money. So uh, he is showing and being kind of one of the first to call these features out, not following along with what everyone else says. So if you're hoping for that large screen iMac, that pro level iMac 2022 is now the target date. So just kind of let it go. Just let go the idea of it and you know, by next year, it'll pop up sometime. And it makes sense. I mean, Apple has so many products that are lined up for this year. They don't want to get, they don't need to oversaturate us with products. Just keep on giving us a little bit here, giving us a little bit there. And the supply chain and the chip shortage is also affecting this stuff. So it's fine. 
I mean, it gives us more stuff to talk about over the course of time. Honestly, it's a little crazy when they release like four or five products at one blow. It's like, really, guys? Like, come on, let's let's not do that. Also, in a new report that is being called out as an exclusive by 9to5Mac, in addition to their recent uh, new display report, they say that Apple is planning the redesigned iPad mini and they call out specific features with it and say that it's codenamed J310. It'll be powered by Apple's latest A15 processor feature USB-C over Lightning. So Lightning will be gone on this new iPad mini and will include a magnetic smart connector, which is used for like the keyboards. That will be coming sometime by the end of this year or as soon as later this year is what they say. So, okay, 2021, like we expect. Now, they never mention anything about an M1, an M1X, or an, even an M2 for this device. It's strictly an A15 processor. And this A15 chip that would be in this new iPad Mini 6, and a lot of people are waiting for it because the expectation is that it's going to take a lot of design cues from the iPad Air, slimmer bezels, which are you know iPad Pro-esque, but instead of a home button, they're going to get rid of that and then put the power button with Touch ID that is similar to the iPad Air on this device as well. The report says that the A15 chip will use the same 5 nanometer process as the A14, and also that Apple's working on a more powerful A15X variant that could be used in other iPads down the line. We know that the M1 is in the current iPad Pro, so this is kind of looking down the road. And really, we already know that in most cases, the current processing power in especially the Pro line has been more than solid enough, more than powerful enough for at least the past two or three years. So they don't need, unless they throw out something drastic like 8K video editing, I think they're going to be fine with the processing power that it has. So USB-C is in, Lightning is out, smart connector, magnetic smart connector that connects to those keyboard cases is in as well. I think this iPad mini will be pretty popular because there's a lot of people, even if your iPad mini is working just fine, or maybe it's like a little slow and it's a little on its last legs and you love that screen size. And I think it's super useful. A new mini coming out by the end of the year is coming. But the thing that is not going to be a part of it, and this has been heavily rumored and people have been going back and forth about it. iPad mini six will not feature a mini LED display. And this actually makes sense to me. This is reported by Ross Young, who's a display analyst who's really put out a lot of information over the years over what display technology Apple will be using for iPhones and iPads. And there were reports and rumors that it would come with it, but he shot that down and said, no, it's not. I've checked with the actual display supplier who is making these displays for the iPad mini 6, and they say it's not coming with mini LED. And this also makes sense from a standpoint of, look, iPad Pro 2021 model has mini LED. Apple told us that they deliberately strategically decided, well, that display was for people that want that higher end display. So they put uh, the standard current LCD display in the iPad Pro for the 2021 model. It would be weird for there to be a mini LED in the iPad mini, a mini LED in the iPad Pro 12.9 inch but no mini LED for the 11-inch iPad Pro, that that doesn't jive with me. So it does not surprise me that just purely for a consistency within your product line and just a distinction from one model to another that they won't be doing it. Although rumors say that the next batch of iPad Pros will indeed 
be coming with mini LED across the board. And even, you know, they're starting to transition into OLED as well, according to these reports in the supply chain. So uh, either way, iPad mini 6, no mini LED. And that's okay. To be honest with you, after using the iPad Pro for a while, I love the new display, specifically when watching videos or movies. But beyond that, um, I actually still use my iPad Pro from 2018 that I still have that I use for my production, but also it just kind of lays around the house and because it doesn't have the magic keyboard attached to it, I'm that 2018 iPad Pro, I would say 99.9% of people would have been just fine keeping it, especially since they've never done anything software-wise. And you know I've complained about that over and over ad nauseum about give us pro apps, give us more to do. Well, Apple hasn't really given us more to do with the iPad Pro in 2021. And we'll see what happens in 2022, I guess. But I don't see my I don't see any reason for me to get an iPad Pro in 2022 personally. I mean, with rumors of the wireless the the wireless charging on the back plate of the iPad Pro in 2022, is that enough? Like do I really need that? I don't know. Yikes, I started thinking about it out loud and I'm like, hmm, that does sound nice. <laughs> but I'm not no, come on. I just dropped a bomb on that last iPad Pro. Okay, future products. Ming-Chi Kuo reports that Apple is expected to announce a new MacBook Air. This is the rumored 13-inch model, slimmed down, coming in a variety of colors. We've seen kind of some of the renders that have been out there, but a reinvention of the MacBook Air loaded with a mini LED display sometime in mid-2022. We've heard earlier that uh, it's coming maybe early, but at least Ming-Chi Kuo is saying, is coming mid-2022, which would be really targeting somewhere around uh, WWDC in June. So we're gonna. it's going to be really interesting to see how that does because we've already seen a MacBook Air with an M1 processor. The rumor is that this would come with an M2 and mini-LED, slimmer in size, redesigned with colors to match or kind of um, go along with the color consistency of what we saw in the new... 24-inch M1 iMac line. We'll see. A lot of this, a lot of the stories that are out this week are talking about when future products are coming because, quite honestly, we know a lot about the features right now. To me, we're waiting for you know the new batch of products to just go gaga over uh, whether or not the iPhone 13 makes that much of a difference to us. I don't know. I will tell you though, right now, um, doing this MagSafe battery pack test. So I have an iPhone 12 Pro that I obviously upgraded to, and in my re- in my review. One of my first complaints is that it just doesn't feel nearly as comfortable as a 11 Pro, and it was very obvious. And now that I've gone back while I'm doing these battery tests to use my 11 Pro, um, the 11 Pro might be the most comfortable iPhone to hold in a long time. You know, I compare it to the first gen, uh, the iPhone 4 that was a standout, even some of the more rounded ones like the 8. The iPhone 11 Pro, uh, not max size, but standard size, that is like the sweet spot for me. It feels so good perfectly whether it's in a case or even out of a case which is better so i'm 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 missing how it feels i really the hard line flat design flat edges rounded corners design i know this is the aesthetic that apple is going for and is moving forward with but it doesn't feel good in hand uh, when you're talking about an iphone when we stick with iphones nikkei reports that the 2022 iphone se will feature an A15 chip similar to what we're hearing about the future iPad mini. It'll have 5G 
and a 4.7 inch display. Now, this is still the SE line. So at the moment, it's not expected to get rid of the uh, touch ID button and still keep that. So this will still be a consistent design. It saves the money on parts. It saves them money on components. And it's still an SE. It's like the SE will forever be the iPhone that still has a button. Now, there were conflicting reports from Digitimes that it would come with an A14 chip, but Nikkei is reporting that's coming with an A15 chip. It'll still have an LCD display. It's not going to shift to mini LED or OLED. I mean, this is really the budget phone, but it's a damn good budget phone. I believe the iPhone SE, is it? Yeah, the, the new iPhone SE, or I guess you could call it what the iPhone SE 2 that came out in red, white, and black recently. Uh, I mean, that was at the time kind of one of those sleeper products of the year when it came to sales of it, just because it was affordable. It was $399, at least when it launched. It did everything you needed to do, and it felt really nice in the hand. So iPhone SE, let's call it the iPhone SE 3, is set for 2022, and one of the big things it'll bring is 5G to the table. All right, um, let's kind of transition over to some iPhone news. I know we always have like iPhone rumors and I'm not gonna linger on these too much just because look, we've we've heard a lot about this stuff, but sometimes little nuggets of stuff keep popping up. Now, the latest report, we know that iPhone is expected to bring at least on the high end, the ProMotion display, but now reports are getting stronger that we will see the always on display design that is, I guess you could say Apple Watch inspired, but let's be honest, it's Android inspired, where because the OLED display can really shut down and give you those true blacks and not use power in that mode other than some of those pixels, the latest report from Bloomberg's Mark Gurman says that we can expect to see not only the 120 hertz refresh rate, but okay, possibly an Apple Watch inspired always on mode. To me, it's about time they bring it. And some people, I, I, I don't even know if I care, care about an always on mode. That doesn't, that's not compelling enough for me to buy a phone. The always on feature for the Apple Watch just doesn't make any difference in how I use it. Because by the time you turn your wrist and the always on, uh, the icons or whatever's on your wristwatch appear large enough because they kind of like shrink down and they zoom, they fill out the screen once you turn your wrist. It's literally the same as if I just turned my wrist and the screen turned on. You don't gain the ability to pull any new information or see anything clear enough in that one and a half seconds. So always on on the Apple Watch was never a compelling enough feature for me. Some people liked it, but it really didn't make a difference. That's why I've always stuck by my Series 4. You know, in several of my videos, I stick to the Series 4 because there's just not enough for me to jump up to the Series 6. Uh, the battery hasn't significantly changed and my battery's still pretty good. So that's not going to make me make that next jump up. I think if there is a new design, that will obviously make it a lot more compelling for me to buy. But beyond a new design, I think that all the reports are showing us that the Apple Watch Series 7 coming up may not have too many features inside of it. Uh, everyone was hoping and anticipating that it'd be loaded with health sensors, but that looks like it's been pushed out for another year or more. So quite honestly, I'm not expecting big things from the Apple Watch this year. You know, I I really, unless they blow my mind with something, which is going to be hard to do, I mean, 
the Series 4 still works like a charm for me. In other Apple news, kind of from the supplier side, Apple, we if you aren't familiar with Corning Gorilla Glass, they've worked closely with Apple over the years to develop the glass for their displays and uh, use, I think, was it Gorilla Glass Victus was at the time kind of known to be one of the more scratch-resistant and uh, shatterproof glasses from Corning that ends up being used on iPhones. Now, if you aren't familiar, the ceramic shield that Apple had kind of touted with the iPhone 12 family lineup where they, I guess they kind of create a crystal structure within that glass to make it stronger. That ceramic shield glass was a partnership between Apple and Corning. And over the years, Apple has invested heavily in them with, you know, different contracts ranging from $200 million to 250. Supposedly, according to reports, they threw in another 45 million earlier this year going towards purely Corning's research and development of new state-of-the-art glass processes. So one of those, some of those investments led directly to the ceramic shield. So now Corning Gorilla Glass has a new glass that they call DX. And then the next level up on that is DX plus, right? If it's, if it's the next level, it always has to be plus now. I mean, that's just the thing. It's not a streaming service. Gorilla Glass DX plus is a glass. It's not a streaming service. But they've developed this new glass specific to camera lenses that can capture 98% of light and improve the reduction of reflections inside that glass as well. In lab tests, right now, Apple's using, I believe they're using sapphire glass over, not over, but for their camera lens. But in their lab tests, Gorilla Glass DX was more scratch resistant than glass with a standard coating that beat out Gorilla Glass as well. And it also withstood scratch tests up to four kilograms of force that approaches the scratch resistance of Sapphire. Now, here's where it could get interesting. At least, you know, we won't know when we see these, but from an Apple standpoint, remember they're producing hundreds of millions of these phones. There's cost to be had. And if the cost of using this new Gorilla Glass DX and DX Plus is cheaper than going with Sapphire Glass for that lens, then you know, that's just the kind of behind the scenes saving money and saving costs that will never get passed on to us. (laughs) In a sketchy report that may or may not make sense, a new report from uh, China is saying that the iPhone 13 may support a 25 watt fast charging power adapter. Now, right now, Apple's uh, supports 20 watts charging. There are other phones, like even Samsung's recent S21 lineup that supports 25 watt charging and quite honestly it's it helps but it's not going to be a drastic significant difference from 20 to 25 but it will be faster um the thing where this may come into play and be more helpful is that if you have an iphone which reportedly will have larger battery capacity having a the ability to charge it faster as well as the fact that maybe this does use that uh, always on display that might use actually more power You want every edge and advantage you can get. I mean, this is just the nature of technology evolving. And so the new iPhone 13 lineup may or may not support 25 watt charging. And it's not anything groundbreaking. It's just out there. Alongside of the iPhone, AirPods 3 now likely to launch in September with the iPhone 13. That's the latest report from Digitimes based on what they see in the supply chain. Now, we know that AirPods 3, this will be the third generation, uh, 
reports have said that they're going to be taking cues from the AirPods Pro. So that means shorter stems, which is going to then potential to bring spatial audio to the AirPods 3. There will not be any noise canceling in these because they're going to save that for the AirPods. The assumption also is that their shorter stems won't have the ability to click on them and control things just like the current AirPods Pro do. So they'll like look AirPods Pro-ish, but not have the AirPods Pro functionality. Either way, report says that if you're waiting and hoping for them to come sometime this year, it looks like they'll be targeted for September alongside of the iPhone release. All right, we're wrapping up on a few smaller stories here. AirTag fans, you know, it's really interesting how the AirTags came out. There was a lot of kind of interest around them. And I, I, I expected this, that that interest would kind of die off really fast because once you have them, they're not a product that you use all the time. They kind of just become invisible to you and they're there if you need it. And if an emergency happens, they'll come to play. But they're they're like the product that you need, but you don't need at the same time. And if you don't have them, you probably won't miss them. But you get that one moment where they save your butt and you're like, I'm so glad I got air tags. Well, they have some new accessory colors that are available. The interesting thing was that they were made available on Amazon before putting on the Apple Store site. And at the moment, not all these colors are even app available on Apple's site. They're only available on Amazon. So they have new kind of king ring, key, key ring, I can't even talk, key ring accessories and leather loops in three new colors. Those colors would be Capri Blue, which is kind of like a a middle, a middle nice sky blue, but a little deeper. You got pink citrus, which is kind of like the meat of a grapefruit. And then sunflower, which is, or Meyer lemon, I'm sorry, which is, which is like, a deeper yellow, not not a washed out yellow. They look nice. If you want to spice it up and let everyone know you really have an AirTag, this is the way to do it. Also, Apple Music app for Android finally officially gains spatial audio and lossless quality. We talked about this, Apple Music as a service. It was originally put in the beta, but now it has been updated to support spatial audio and lossless audio, specifically for Android users. So that's really cool. And then kind of to complement that, Apple, at least in regards to their own hardware, they have a support document that they updated. And the reason why they updated it, because they really, I'm not saying that this is the best way to use uh, spatial audio, but they're saying, hey, some of our devices support spatial audio with their built-in speakers. And we all know you will not get the the true benefits of spatial audio unless you have over-the-ear headphones, ideally is number one, that support it. And then number two, AirPods Pro support spatial audio. Those are the two products that got taken advantage of. And then obviously we talked about AirPods 3 uh, supporting that in the future if they are releasing this year like we expect them to. So you have all those there, but they updated their list of current products that support spatial audio with Dolby Atmos on Apple Music. So I'm just gonna read them off to you in case you haven't. You're like, I got it, I got it, I could do it. The built-in speakers of an iPhone XS or later support spatial audio, except for the iPhone SE. iPad Pro 12.9 inch, third generation or later, also support the spatial audio. iPad Pro 11 inch, and there I believe there's two generations of that for iPad Pro 11 inch. And then iPad Air, fourth generation, the recent ones that came with the different colors and the touch ID button, power button on the side. Those are the products from Apple that support spatial audio. So there you go. There's there's your master list. Have at it. Do what you want with it. All right, everybody. That's really going to do it for this week's show. You know, a lot of rumors, a lot of like, this is coming then. 
Not as much, you know, meat and potatoes, but that's okay. You know, we're going to keep on waiting, grinding through, I guess you could call this the summer lull of tech. But we do have some interesting stuff coming from Samsung that we're going to talk about. Uh, August 11th, I believe, is their event where they'll, they're going to be releasing their new foldables. And I've said it many times, the Z Fold 2 was my favorite product of 2020. I'm really curious what 2021 looks like for them. And then also how does it change any perception of them being more innovative or having an actual real foldable solution that's way ahead of what Apple is doing. You know, last time we heard, Apple was looking at concepts and thinking about them, but they're nowhere close to being anywhere in production. So that would tell me that even if Apple was taking this seriously, we're at least at least two years away from seeing any kind of foldable device from Apple if we rely on the reports that we've heard so far. So if you're you're hoping for a foldable from Apple anytime soon, don't hope. Like, just get it out of your mind. It's not happening within the next two years. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I mean, look, we're going to see their, their AR, VR glasses before we're going to see a foldable. That I can, that I'm pretty confident about. So, you know, a lot of cool stuff coming up that we can talk about as well outside of Apple and how, where do they stand in comparison with that? But I'm really excited about those products coming soon. All right, everybody, let's give big thanks to our Patreon supporters at the $100 Platinum Apple level, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frader, Jarrett Lewis, and Atari Koenigsegg. Thank you. Thank you so much for your support. Uh, it is amazing. Thank you to everyone supporting the show in whatever way they can. $2 a month, $5 a cup of coffee, 10 25 and the Platinum Apple $100 level. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is how you do it. All right, everybody, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Apple Bits XL. Be safe. Call in. Remember, record that voice memo. AppleBitsShow at gmail.com. That's AppleBits with AZ. Send it in. Let's talk. It's always fun. But until then, we will talk to you next episode. Same bat time, same bat channel, same bat podcast. We're all here, baby. Take care, everybody. It's the Apple Bits XL. Peace.